When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. And welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hello, broads. Hi, broads. Hey, birthing broads. I know, that's immediately what I wanted to say. <laughs> birthing broads what came to your mind? Yeah, birthing broads, bottle feeding broads, breastfeeding broads, broads, <laughs> all broads with babies. Babied broads. Baby broads. Babied broads. I know. <laughs> so with baby. Full disclaimer over the pat over the next several months. I 100% know I'm going to be bringing on way more people about things that are relevant to my life right now. Well, I think definitely um, childbirth and such. You have the right to be thinking about that a lot because here's the fact. You are halfway through your pregnancy, past halfway through. Jesus Christ. And you never talk about it. So my God, you can it's scream true. it I, I honestly, if you, you want know what? to. I honestly don't think about it that much. And it's kind of funny because I'm thinking so, I was thinking so much um, about birth the first time around. And this time I'm actually like not thinking about birth so much, which sometimes I'm like, am I not thinking about it enough? Am I going to be unprepared? Because sometimes you hear people being like, I didn't do shit for my second baby. And yeah. uh, it rocked my world. But I'm thinking about so many things surrounding actually like having a baby in terms of the postpartum period Mm -hmm. and in terms of feeding and in terms of just all these things surrounding more of concepts of like motherhood and what follows birth rather than birth itself. Because with my experience, birth was like the, the, that was just the easiest part compared to some of the other well and i think a lot of it has to do with and we've talked about this on previous podcasts that we've done but i know for both of us we were more prepared for the idea of the actual labor process oh yeah and the pregnancies and we we, yeah we (laughs) felt we, we, we crushed it but we did so much reading about that and knew about that and that's so widely talked about but we both felt surprised by postpartum and I know I knew I knew you knew more about it than I did but I knew nothing of the postpartum process and really knew nothing of breastfeeding um and that was by far the most difficult thing for me because I wasn't prepared at all Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of conflicting, I mean, honestly, anything related to motherhood or parenthood is a lot of conflicting information. You've got stupid advice from people and stupid advice from the internet and conflicting research and conflicting, like all these different Mm -hmm, voices. mm -hmm. And that's sometimes the hardest part is just sorting out like, but like, what is best for me and my family and all that sort of thing. Anyway, Anyways. All that being said, we're super excited for our guest we have on today. Yay. Please welcome Lauren Archer. Hello. Hi. Thank Hi. you so much for coming on. Of course, AKA, my pleasure. I know you as a uh, love of a little one yes. on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you see someone's Instagram handle, that's like who they are in your mind forever. Right. I'm like, you don't have a real name, right? Yeah. It's just the tagline. Just love of a little one. <laughs> um, and I don't know how I got started following you actually, but I stumbled upon your account 
a while ago, I think right after having Ruth and we were just talking about this before recording, but I think one thing that's cool is that in my opinion, you found a really great balance of like advocating and talking about what's important to you and supporting people with dancing that line without like basically hurting anyone's feelings, <laughs> yeah. which is, um, Thanks. can be so much of what happens sometimes um, yeah. in these spheres. So why don't you talk yeah. a little about yourself? Yeah. I just, uh, it's really hard to argue with facts. And so my mm. whole approach was that nothing, it's either going to be a complete opinion piece or it's going to be stuff that you cannot argue with because mm. I have research and all kinds of things to be able to back that up. And people like that. I like I it. Yeah. <laughs> I was Becca actually um sent your info over to me before we uh, had booked this. And as soon as I saw your Instagram, I was like, "Oh my god, what I would give to have had you as someone to follow before or like during my pregnancy in in hopes to prepare myself." I hear that a lot. Yeah, I'm sure you do because I feel like there is a lot of info out there about, you know, the birth and the pregnancy piece, and I'm like, "Oh my goodness." Yeah the aftermath. Right. Which, which you guys were saying, like a lot of people don't, uh, you, you prepare for the marathon and then you run the marathon and that's as far as you get in your head. Mm -hmm. But then you don't realize like at the end of that marathon, someone hands you a baby and is like, good luck. Talk yeah. to you never. <laughs> mm -hmm. totally. good, luck, good luck healing from the marathon. Yeah, Your good toes luck, are falling off. Good luck getting home miles. in the car from this, like all those kind of things. <laughs> Absolutely. So how, did you get, yeah, first of all, what do you do and, and how, how do you call yourself and, and how did you get involved in the work that you do and all yeah. that? Maybe just give us a little background sure. story on who you are. Um, well, I'll preface this by saying that every postpartum doula is different. So when I explain what I do, it's entirely singular to myself. Um, because a lot of people think of doulas like walking in with like linen and a sound bowl and I don't own any linen and I do not know how to use a sound bowl. <laughs> um, and so a lot of people, I like to say that postpartum doulas help uh, integrate baby into parents' lives. And so a lot of people um, will say that they, uh, I will also say that like, for me, parenting is throwing a lot of stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And postpartum doulas have an entire toolbox of stuff mm. to throw at the wall. And then once something sticks, they're like, great, let's figure out how that works for you, yourself, uh, your baby and your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so I specifically, when I started out, uh, was like education. Like this is the, you, you can't argue with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm kind of a research nerd. So I was like, like, this is great. I love reading st research and studies and all kinds of things. And then helping um, have that make sense for that person. Uh, because it's not one size fits all. And I think a lot of people expect doulas to be this magic key to their birth or their mm. postpartum. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, uh, a lot of my answer is, I don't know and I don't care. Um, so, like, what should I do with my kid? I don't, I don't know. I don't, and I don't care. Like at the end of the day, <laughs> yeah. what I care about is that you care because I get to leave and you don't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. So helping create a support system and a safety net where you feel like you are empowered to make really confident decisions in how to parent. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes the confident decision is I have no idea what I'm doing, which is great. It's a valid answer. Um, and so postpartum doula is coming in after baby is born. And really, I mean, we know we should know things like how to diaper and how to swaddle and basic newborn behaviors and how to give a bath and all that other you stuff. You think that we should know <laughs> Well, that. postpartum doula should know. I yeah, will say that. Yeah, yeah, postpartum parents. doula. No, no, no. <laughs> I was just like, uh... <laughs> But we should also be able to be like, I can run you a sits bath. I can give you a resource mm-hmm. for a chiropractor because you're mm-hmm. on your third body in less than 12 years. So the pain you're experiencing is not normal, nor do you have to suffer through it. Um, and some doulas will also be like, hey, what I like to operate and what's the goal for the day? And then how do we achieve that? And if that means me taking the baby uh, so that you can take a nap or shower or eat or watch a show on Netflix, great, let's do that. Um, Or if we want to get out of the house, okay, great. What does Mm -hmm. an outing look like? And I'm going to act like I'm not here Mm -hmm. because I'm not going to be here eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you, how do you, how do you... um define like a doula in general? Cause I think a lot of people might be listening and just be like, yeah. I don't even know what that really means. Well, and it's thrown around so much. I will say that for postpartum doula, the uh, majority of doulas will say that they mother the mother. Mm. Um, and I actually find that not only non-inclusive, but um, also really like, think about what your mother does for you. Mm. I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to do or tell you when to eat or, do any of those things. I want to empower you. and I Or wanna... even project your <laughs> desires as a mother for right. your right. child. Right. And so I really think that it's more of hopefully becoming, at least the way that I doula is to shift and become an educator um, into helping you make empowered decisions. A guide. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I feel like when you said a few minutes ago, I don't know and I don't care, you literally like gave me like chills all over my body because the idea of having someone being not projecting on you mm-hmm. being like, I'm completely here for whatever's going to work best for your situation. Because I know personally so much of my journey in postpartum, like pregnancy and then birth and then into postpartum and motherhood and uh, my journey through motherhood has been trying to walk through and process everyone's opinions and guilt thrown on you even when people don't intend to whether it be through different reading materials or social media or family or whatever but the idea of having someone who's like whatever works for you I'm going to help facilitate that and I'm also (laughs) going to make sure you're informed about the decisions you're making I'm like oh my goodness like no one's going to specifically give me a game plan and I have mm-hmm. to fit into that even if it's not comfortable. Right. It's, it's, and a lot of people will also say like doulas provide uh, non-biased and unjudgmental support, mm. um, which hopefully they do. If you're feeling judged by your doula, get a new one. <laughs> <laughs> like my doula was so mean to me. <laughs> well, I could see it that happened. being an issue it of happened. a doula yeah. projecting of what it they happened. think is sure. the best right. choice and that's, for you. That's why the mother, the mother, I think we get... Um, then you get doulas who are older or have this idea that I'm going to come in and be a older mother and, wiser, and be yeah. a grandmother, which means I'm going to give unsolicited advice or tell you that I'm taking the baby. Like there are some shifts that I work where I never touch the baby. Mm. That's not my child. I'm not going to take it from you. <laughs> what a yeah. horrible thing. So if you want to give me the baby, yeah, I'll, I'll take it yeah. and hang out with it. But I don't need to be holding the baby to be a good doula. Yeah. Or the big difference between a mom is my mom is like, my mom is pretty informed, but she's also like, here's the options. And 
this in my opinion is the best one. So like, this is the one that you should, which, you know, that's my mom. That's probably like, I'll try not to be that way for my child. But when you have it, it's a different kind of sure. relationship, you sure. know, and, yeah. and maybe there's a level of comfort. That's not always the best when you're trying to establish your own life and your own choices. Right. And there are times that I, uh, if a grandparent is kind of being overbearing that sometimes I will specifically suggest working a shift and I will doula the grandparent because sometimes the advice, uh, is a little bit harder to, or to swallow when it's coming from your child. But when you're coming from someone who walks in and is like, you don't know me, I have lots of information and I can tell you this too and we can make it fun and do you want a baby wear like you know <laughs> that's amazing because it's like <laughs> the idea I'm like I know if I would tell my mom hey this is what I want to do and these are the reasons why and this is the research I have that's that's backed it she'd be like you don't know anything. <laughs> but if yeah. I'm just like, this yeah, but is have my... you had a kid before? You know, <laughs> but isn't like... this your first? It's like, okay, well, this is my professional doula <laughs> who's going to step in and tell you what she knows. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, that would be so helpful. Yeah. Like I'm a, I would say that I, I'm an expert on child care and babies, but I'm not an expert on your baby. Mm-hmm. You're the expert. I don't know that kid. Mm-hmm. Or your feelings about different situations, right. you know, mm-hmm. or right. what you might be bringing into the situation. Yeah. So we do that. And some also have other skills, like they do have Ayurvedic doulas or they do have doulas that know body work, if that's something that's really important to you. Trauma-informed doulas mm-hmm. who can help you process your birth at a level that you absolutely need to for mental health. Um, there's a wide range of services. And so... Um, I don't have any of those skills that I mentioned, (laughs) but there are wonderful doulas that do, but I uh, will also do a lot of breastfeeding. That's my jam. I like boobs. Cool. Oh my goodness. So how'd you get into all this? Yes. Um, I was a career nanny for uh, about 15, 17 years. Um, I'm in my mid thirties. I look a little younger, Um, but yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in my mid thirties. (laughs) And so I was a crew nanny for a really long time. And uh, it wasn't until I started being like, I'm only going to work with newborns because I'm tired of working with children. How long into, so I was a nanny for five years before I had my daughter, but how long into it did you start saying I'm only going to do newborns? I started working with newborns probably like, Seven, seven or eight years into nannying where I was like, I can't. And then I found this wonderful family and I stayed with them through two, two children anyway. Oh, that's awesome. But they were very much like, we're going to listen to you because we've never not known you. Um, and also being a nanny in California is very hard because you get mm. some parents that you get, I, I, like I had a family where the six-year-old was super concerned that she was too fat and like would cry about this. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. I, I cannot work with other people's children I need to work. I need to be coming at it from a fresh slate. Mm. So I started working with just newborns and that's when kind of, I heard the words like doula, doula. And everyone thinks of doulas as birth doulas. And I was like, nah, I don't really want to attend birth. Um, but postpartum doula was then something I heard. And so it was a really organic Is this switch. before having your child? So yes, I trained and was working as a postpartum doula for a little bit before I had um, That's cubby. interesting to me that you were immediately drawn to the postpartum doula aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I, I think it's just, I mean, not to sound too 
hokey pokey, but I think that it's my life's calling. It's my life's work. Like it's something that I really, uh, I get giddy about. Mm -hmm. I have such a good time. I have had such the pleasure of working with so many amazing clients. I I would say that I remain in contact and are are friends with about 70% of the people that I work with. So I've been so, I just think that this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, but then when I had the way that I was trained is very different from how I practice Mm. doula now. Um, I was trained, uh, through a fine organization. There's a bunch of different organizations you can train with and blah, blah, blah. Um, but this one was very much like a doula's role is to just be a support system, which means that if that person comes to you, you being unbiased to the point where you're almost unhelpful, Mm. we're like, how does that make you feel? Standing back. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Where it's just like, how does that make you feel? What would you like to do about that? And then when I had my son, if, if I like, if I was crying, half naked, leaking, bleeding, recovering, and I was like, please help me solve this problem. And someone responded, how does that make you feel? How does this problem make you feel? I'd be like, it makes me feel like slapping you in the face. Get out of my house. (laughs) I want your fucking help right now. What do you do? (laughs) Right. So I was just like, that was a huge turning point in being like, okay, I'm not going to tell them what to do, but I need to give options and I need to be, I'm very honest with my clients and I'm very upfront and, um, you know, being much more proactive and like my job is to observe and read the room and become a person that you trust where if I'm, you know, are you the kind of person who wants to be asked what to make for lunch or can I just bring you lunch? Mm -hmm. I should know that. I shouldn't have to ask you that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I should just do it. And hopefully that will help make you feel either more in control of a situation that you don't feel in control of or serviced by someone and taken care of. Um, and that can ease some of your anxieties. So really being able to read a room, um, And so so ever since I went on, I went off of maternity leave when Cubby was three months old. And actually now is the first time since then, and he's almost three, that I haven't had one single client. Holy shit. (laughs) Oh my God. So I've been working entirely that whole time, but I love, I love it. No complaints. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a good time because I'm working on some other stuff. So it's like, okay. Plus he's three, which is like a whole bag of fuck. (laughs) Um, But that's how I got into dueling. And then breastfeeding is one of the things that most people are interested in and need information about and talk about. And there's Um, so much misinformation. And there's a ton of misinformation. So I got... of... Yes. Mm -hmm. So I got really tired of clients being like, I Googled or I went on a Facebook mom group and they all told me by looking at a picture that my kid had a tie and that my supply was drying up. Like all of these are... That's fake. You know, like, I mean, yes, your kid can have ties, but you can't sure. diagnose it from a picture. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I, it was like, oh, man, if I could just be much more proactive and I could head this off where if you went into those mom groups, you would be that person being like, looks in here, Sally. <laughs> you actually can't diagnose. Please go and see an IBCLC. Go mm-hmm. and see a trained professional. Um, and so that's what we do. And like, that's why, like, I work. I don't require, I don't require my clients to do anything because they're their own person, but I strongly suggest I see clients within the first 24 hours because with a lot of things, specifically breastfeeding, it's really hard to go backwards. So my heart breaks when I talk to someone who is three or six months postpartum and you start hearing their story and they're like, I ended my breastfeeding journey because of this, this, this. And in my head, I'm like, if you would have had one key piece Mm -hmm. of information, you could still be breastfeeding possibly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I felt super helpless like after 
giving birth where it feel like you were saying someone was like, what do you need right now? I'd be like, I don't fucking know. Just please do something because there's 15 different things that I need right now. And so I just need someone to cover just one of them. Like I'm seeing totally. that there's dust under that table right there and it's driving me nuts, but I can't just tell anyone to go sweep it because then I feel rude and I'm hungry, but I don't want that kind of smoothie. I want that. And like, you know, there's all these different things going on at once. Yeah. And you're like, I just need someone to step in and in some ways take charge yes. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and, and a lot of the things that other do du- like doulas do do is like I will do loads of laundry I will clean the kitchen and put away the dishes I will change sheets is a huge one postpartum mm. sweating massive oh I still goodness. feel like I sweat all the time <laughs> yeah. so like sometimes I'll just be like hey would you like while you're in the living room I'm gonna go ahead and take the sheets off the the bed and, and wash them is that okay and it's usually okay yes um, please <laughs> or like if you're Thank physically you so unable much. to walk your dog I will walk your dog around the block like all those little things I'm not a maid I'm not a repair person I'm not going to be scrubbing toilets but those little kinds of things like do you need to be doing laundry after you have a baby no no, mm-hmm. no you don't mm-hmm. um and it brings me joy to fold little pieces of clothing so I'm happy to do it <laughs> um but those kinds of things are also things that doulas do and and just kind of making like the number one focus is that you and your baby are are bonding. Yeah. yeah. Like I had a I had a mom um ask me what what she, expectations should she have and I was like uh none. Like don't have any like eat, sleep, poop. Do if the if you are doing anything that your baby isn't doing, then you're not like follow your baby. If they're sleeping, and they're eating and they're pooping. That's great. If they get up into the laundry, then yes, that's permission for you to get up into the laundry. <laughs> but like, you don't need to be doing anything more because you're freshly a new person, oh just God, like they I mean, are. Yeah. Please, broads, write that mantra across your chest. <laughs> Seriously. Yes. If more people heard that. Yes. Um, well, I'm actually really curious to hear about um, what it was like for you in your postpartum mm-hmm. uh, phase. Yes. Um, but before that, I have to say, um, so I have this ism. Uh, I have to be comfortable if I want to work well. It was also a tough deal for me in the office before presentation or even answering emails. If I'm not comfy, my work was eh, and I didn't shine like I know that I could during a presentation because my stinking pants would be too tight or too stiff. Um, Or hey, speaking of moms out there, if you're a working mom needing to look professional and look sharp, but also juggling trying to get your kids' lunches packed before running out the door for a meeting, we have a savior. They are Beta Brands dress pant yoga pants. They are a perfect answer for the busy lady who wants to look profesh and doesn't have time to be distracted by uncomfortable clothing. They are stylish, comfortable, professional. You don't have to pick just one because Beta Brands dress pant yoga pants are super comfy, perfectly stretchy, and stay wrinkle-free, which is a huge plus we don't talk about. You spend time ironing before work or me. I try to hang stuff in the shower while I'm showering, (laughs) thinking it's going to steam (laughs) it out. Doesn't ever work. Um, And then sitting down to drive to your office, your pants are completely wrinkled again. So that's not the case with dress pant yoga pants. They're the style of dress pants with the stretch, fit, and feel of yoga pants. And there are so many options to choose from. There are dozens of colors, patterns, cuts, and styles like boot cuts, straight legs, skinny, cropped, and more. And they even have a pair with eight, yes, eight pockets. And now they also offer a premium denim with the same flexibility and comfort as yoga pants. My personal favorite are the pair with six buttons. They have that very like mod look that I love. And they look so far from yoga pants. It's crazy, but they feel just like them. Right now, our listeners can get 20% off their first order when you go to Breda, Breda, nope, not Breda, Beta, (laughs) 
betabrand.com slash chatty. That's 20% off your first order at betabrand.com slash chatty. That's spelled B-E-T-A brand, by the way. Millions of women agree that these are the most comfortable pants you'll ever wear to work. You just got to go to betabrand.com slash chatty for 20% off. And speaking of comfortable, I want to literally shout about this next brand from the rooftops. It is something I'm extremely passionate about because it has changed the way I sleep, the way my husband sleeps, the way my extended family sleeps. It's the best bedding company on the planet and the most sustainable. It's Etitude. You've probably heard about bamboo sheets, but Etitude's Clean Bamboo is the third generation of bamboo bedding technology, and it's absolutely amazing. I love them. I love my Etitude sheets. They're feathery soft, not to mention beautiful. And organic clean bamboo is extremely breathable because it regulates your temperature to improve your quality of sleep. And it's antimicrobial. Customers have claimed that their skin's appearance improved after switching to Etitude Sheets. Read the reviews and see for yourself. Seriously. Also, organic clean bamboo recycles 98% of the water it uses. So it's the most sustainable bedding available in that regard. I'm telling you, I have turned everyone on in my life to these sheets and bedding. And I get a call or text from someone always after they've started using them thanking me. And I say, hey, thank Etitude. They changed my sleeping life too. Um, Evan and I used to struggle in bed because he's always too hot and I'm always too cold. And now we are just right and so comfortable. Why not try Etitude? These amazing sheets have a 30-day risk-free uh, risk trial. If you're not fully satisfied, you can return your sheets for a full refund. They even cover shipping on returns. Etitude sheets, they're as soft as silk, breathable as linen, but at the price of cotton. You're going to love them. When you support our sponsors, you support our show, and right now our listeners will get 20% off their sheet set and free shipping. Just text CHAT, that's C-H-A-T, to 64000 the only way to get 20% off your set of Etitude sheets and free shipping is to text CHAT to 64000. That's C-H-A-T to 64000. All right, Lauren. So um, um, with your your own postpartum journey, mm-hmm. I'm so, so curious, yeah. especially because you started doing this beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel prepared? Or supported? Yeah. (laughs) No. Um, I think that that's a huge uh, thing that lives inside the birth world is there was so much pressure Mm. on me to be to know everything that I literally got trapped in the things that I tell people like, don't get trapped in, ask for help. And um, did you have support planned? For yourself? No, I didn't have a birth postpartum <laughs> doula at all. And I'll tell you this. It's the only two things on the registry for a second baby if we have one. That's it. Really? Yeah, we don't need anything else. Yeah. Um, and so I was so isolated. I was so alone. There were so many times where I was crying. I went to every single mom and parent group, like desperate. Um, I was the first of my friends to have kids. And honestly, there's really a lot of those relationships just do not exist anymore Um, because they were like, let's go out to dinner. And I was like, that's when the bedtime is. Or like, (laughs) you know, my husband worked nights too. So he was, he had a good chunk in the afternoon that he saw us, but that was pretty much it. Um, So, and he still works nights. So predominantly for three years, I have done every single bedtime. Um, And that is why Cubby does not have a bedtime. (laughs) 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 Because... Because it's whenever he's so tired, he falls asleep very quickly. <laughs> but I will say I've been very proud because recently he's been telling me when he's ready to go to bed. Oh, see. So three That's years of hard work. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but yeah, I, I mean, my mom came out for about two weeks, uh, after I gave birth, but then, then it was it. And you have this baby and you have a baby that doesn't like the car and Mm -hmm. who is, you know, quote unquote, always eating newborns do always eat. There's about a half an hour to 45 minutes of free time in between normal, typical newborn behavior eating patterns. So I like, I remember my friends came over to cook dinner one night and I was like, I'm cooking dinner. Like I, I will eat my foot before I eat another cold meal. Like I just want to eat a warm meal. And, um, Cubby woke up and I don't know why no one was like, I got it to the baby, but they were like, we're going to finish dinner. And I was like, no, no one finished the dinner. You all just wait. Like I was crying. I was like, I'm going to go put Cubby back down. I'm going to make the dinner. And like dinner took like an hour later that I was miserable. And I, because when you are freshly postpartum, you are in the fishbowl and you don't, it is only until you get out of the fishbowl where you're like, those thoughts were not rational. Um, I was swimming in an inch of green water and of course everything looks distorted. Yeah. And And you don't know if you're ever going to get out. Right. Right. So that's the part of it too. You're like, is there any other side to this or is this just it now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, even you can be a hundred percent prepared, but um, it wasn't my job to, know everything about this baby because when you're I like to say that like when you have a baby it's the ultimate blind date like people have told you how amazing they are people have told (laughs) you how you're gonna love them people have told you you know this is the ultimate setup and then you you meet them and you're like something isn't clicking like I don't really know you I don't Mm -hmm. know your likes and dislikes I don't know if you feel about me (laughs) like it's and and people expect to be like oh I know all the answers and I have all the and I didn't feel like that and I I have all the answers I have a huge network of resources and I felt embarrassed to reach out to them Mm. I felt like such a failure because I had all the information and I didn't know it and that was a huge huge lesson for me uh, in the way that I parent, in the way that I doula, in the way that I approach everything mm-hmm. at life now, I, I'm just like, I say it as it is. Like, if I need help, help me. Help mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really needed help and I was not brave enough to ask. You also said something about the 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 blind date thing where I didn't even feel, I felt like I loved my daughter biologically, mm-hmm. but did I love her like in this way that I you know, love my family members or my close friend. No, it was like, I, I, to be honest, I felt like a survival instinct yes. love. But when she came out, I was like, thank God all that's over. Holy shit. We're both good. But I like, um, I listen to the birth hour podcast all the time. And so when s- some women, they're just like, and that moment was like nothing else when she was put on my chest. And I was like, that, I, I, that's so cool. That was so not my experience. And even mm-hmm. weeks in, I was just like, dude, I sometimes don't even feel that close to you. And it, and you know what, like going through my, sometimes that can be some kind of a red flag, but for my personal journey, it was something that developed over months. And even now when she's a year old, I'm like, damn, now I really like see you as the person you are. And I like really love you in this way that like, yeah, because their personalities come out. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I either jive with that or we're going to have some problems. <laughs> yeah, no, for real though. And it definitely is that feeling of like the days just 
just melds together. And I remember and the nights and the, the nights. days and nights. Well, I remember are... when all of a sudden you're like, I have no concept of what day of the week it is or what oh, month it is. It's Vegas. It's, it's, it's Vegas. total Vegas. And I remember being like, I'm going to start crossing days off of the calendar when Ember was on the like, wall on the, on the bed. Frame. I felt like I was in prison. It was just like <laughs> every day I was like, all right, we did it Monday. <laughs> just like, and I felt, I remember feeling I had this moment where she was like laying in between my legs and I was just staring at her and she was maybe like eight weeks old and I had been doing the cross off days for maybe about three weeks at that point. I remember looking at her and being like, am I a bad person? <laughs> because I just looked at her and I didn't have this connection yeah. and I knew that everything in me had to protect her and take care of her. But I was just like, like you said, I don't know you. Yeah. <laughs> You're not saying anything. And, and before a certain point, there is little to no return on investment. Yes. yes. <laughs> There's, and then you get one smile and you're like, oh my God, this yeah. is the greatest thing. And then you're like, oh my God. Um, yeah. I, I, and it's something like we were, I host a fourth trimester group um, mm. in Eagle Rock. And it was one of the things that we were just talking about. Like one of the first things that we do in group is to share birth stories that people are, are want to and open to. And it's a safe space where you can share a birth story and it not be like, but it's fine because the baby's healthy yeah. and happy. And you're like, okay. Um, because you know, your birth does not, it's not, uh, attached to how you feel mm -hmm. about your baby, um, or about how you feel about your experience. Like right. you can say I had a shitty experience, but I still love my baby. Like mm -hmm. sometimes you eat food and it doesn't settle quite right, but you might go back and eat that food again. Like it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and someone shared, like it wasn't, her baby was eight weeks old and she was like, I just had that moment. I just had that moment and literally everyone else was like, I don't think I've had that yet. Cause we had some that were like five weeks and some that was like thir 13 days or 18 days. Or something. And they were just like, I'm waiting for that. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, like it'll happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's scary because, again, one of the huge misconceptions about postpartum, the word postpartum already is like very confusing to people because they connect it to postpartum depression. Right. So people say, I didn't have postpartum. Yes. And you you did. If you had a baby, you are postpartum. So mm -hmm. I'm three months postpartum. My mother is in her mid in 30s of something, something postpartum years. Yeah. So um, you're always postpartum and postpartum periods can even happen if you did not have, if you've carried a baby mm. at any point, you can still be postpartum. Um, and so that's a huge misconception and, and, and it scares a lot of people. A lot of things that I actually talk about with partners where I mediate conversations with partners and birthing people is when the birthing person is like, I said this to my partner and my partner now tells me, is telling me that I have a mental problem like that I have depression. I'm like, great, let's, let's unpack this and talk about this all together. Yeah. Um, because there are healthy thoughts that might be really weird, but then there's also thoughts that are not rational and we do need to talk to someone and there's a lot of people and there's a lot of help and mm -hmm. a lot of, there's a free number postpartum support international. You can go to their website and it's a free number to get mental health, um, help. Um, so it's, it's not loving your baby does not mean anything. Yeah. It just might mean that I mean, I told, I literally, my husband was like, why are you so stressed? And I was like, I think I've nailed it. I realize, um, because I'm a, I'm being held captive by a terrorist every day. <laughs> That's like, I cannot leave, even though I'm telling this person I need space. <laughs> um, I do move into a different room and he follows me crying and whining and he's talking about stuff I don't care about. Like it's, it's a constant, like, it's very stressful. It's very stressful. So 
a baby it, when they're constantly crying and you're feeling like, is this normal? Is my milk supply? Everyone thinks that they're starving their baby. I've met zero people who have actually been starving their baby. Um, and, and then you're like, the best that I can do is go on Facebook. Like that there has to be better options than that. Cause mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And what was, I think, um, a lot of people, a lot of women, I guess I'm speaking for myself, but I think a lot of other women feel sometimes that they just need to know that what they're feeling is some variation of normal or like, or maybe not even that, but just like, where am I at? Because I was, um, not so much surprised by like infant care and all that stuff. The hardest thing for me was me. And I was like, why, when I look at my 32 unread texts, I am freaking out and like about to have Mm -hmm. a a panic attack. Like, why don't I want to answer the phone when my friend calls, you know, like why am I thinking about this time that my mom gave me this gift and I was mean to her and that makes me start crying. Like when, you know, thinking about this thing that happened when I was 14, like why is all of this happening? And this is of course all in the first two weeks too, where everything is going on at once. But that was really unexpected for me, but like where I just felt like this, I, I am not normally like this. And I thought, I thought when I was preparing for postpartum, I was like, okay, these are all the things that I need to prepare for. I think I was more prepared than the average person maybe, but I still thought I was going to be going into it being the person I am like right now in this moment, two weeks postpartum. And that just wasn't the case. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, um, it's shocking because you're, you're prepping for something that you've never done. And every and then when who you're like never been. and who you've never been mm-hmm. and when you ask other people they either really disguise the truth or they they lay it on heavy um, yeah. and suddenly you're like oh my god well shit I could be pregnant for many more months if that's the end goal um, and it it is hard because you are a completely different person. And also you just ran a marathon and then someone handed you a baby and there's no, there's no triage before you get your baby. They give it to you and then that's it. And, um, then you don't get a break. Then you're on call 24 seven, no union breaks, no pay time off, no vacation (laughs) days. Like it is. And then you look, I mean, the horrible thing about social media, and this is a huge reason why I was like, I am not going to be the part of the problem is that you look and, and, um, everything is fake. Like I have never rolled up into one person's house and then be like, I have my joggers on and we're going for a walk and I'm two days postpartum and my hair is done and my mm-hmm. nails are done and, and my baby hasn't cried. And it's like, that is not realistic. <laughs> Things are going great. Yeah. Right. Right. And it's the same thing with breast, like breast milk. I've never seen someone pump or have breast milk that has, is like, oh, it comes out and it's like cool whip. And I've pumped 24 ounces, <laughs> like these ridiculous baby things. Baby has not cried once. Right. It's fed and full and gaining weight perfectly. Yeah. Yes, yes. But then you see a lot of people and and I get that when you're like a a blogger of sorts, like your job is not to educate, but then be very honest that this is my singular experience. And, and, and I'm waddled out here. I forced my partner to take this picture and I waddled back in and now I'm in PJs and I'm bleeding and Mm -hmm. I'm leaking. And I like, I did it because that's my job. Or what's scary is sometimes that women are actually maybe 
forcing themselves through the motions in real life and what you're seeing is actually what's going on but you're not seeing what's going on internally you know right like i see photos with moms of newborns like at church with their four kids and everyone's in matching outfits and she's in a matching outfit <laughs> and i'm like wait she actually did this though like she yeah. home and take care. like holy shit yeah. yes yeah it's it uh it is interesting. And and mental health is something that like I definitely like look out for. Like now there's there's not just postpartum depression, it's actually PMAD, postpartum mood and anxiety disorders. Oh. Um and I actually don't see a lot of depression. I see a lot of anxiety. That's so interesting. Okay. So interesting you said that because that's that was one of the things that I was so like curious to talk about because I do feel like obviously the term depression is thrown around but like myself and a lot of the uh, women I know who have had little ones it's a lot of anxiety right more so necessarily than I mean again I, I'm not saying that people aren't like having radical amounts of postpartum depression but the right. anxiety is a piece that I hadn't heard about yeah and so like when you're saying I am anxious to answer phone calls like if I were your doula I would be like it, first of all, you don't have to answer a text. Mm -hmm. You don't owe anyone anything because you had a baby. Uh, second of all, why are you feeling that way? Do you, is it, are you anxious looking at the phone? Can I take your phone from you? Mm -hmm. Can I, can we just like do some breath work? Can I run you a bath? Can I do all those things? Like, you know, what are, or are you to the point, like you're looking at the phone and then you're like, no, I'm going to answer them. And then it becomes like, well, why do you feel like you have to answer them? Like, is that going to cause more or less trauma? And so like really unpacking why and asking those questions. And sometimes you just need someone to be like, be the mirror mm -hmm. of, to be like, why, why do you feel like, why are you feeling anxious? Yeah. And I didn't even feel like I could tell anyone that I was feeling that way because it was just felt really weird to me. Yeah. Yeah. But you had so many hormones in your body and like, you know, like you said, someone handed you a baby and you're on no sleep, probably poor nutrition, dehydrated to some extent. And you have all these outside, um, like, think about it. Like when you break your leg, someone is like, I'm going to cast it and you're going to be on bed rest and you're going to elevate it. And you don't do a single thing. Have everyone do it for you. We're going to put you in a wheelchair. Yeah, everyone's like, going to be everything. like, look at her leg. She needs help. Yes, Poor thing. Open the door. Open the door. Yeah. But, but you give birth to a human being and people are like, at six weeks postpartum, you can go back to work, have sex, should feel normal. You should have, like, have stopped bleeding. You should get have breastfeeding down, like all these things. And it's, it's a little intense. And I think also the anxiety of thinking, um, why do I feel anxious? Like why, now my anxiety is feeding my, like I'm, I'm eating my tail. I oh my goodness. Googled postpartum. Cause I was really reflecting on my personal experience. And I started Googling things that I might've Googled at the time <laughs> to see what would have come up. One of the first things I saw was like from fucking like WebMD or baby center or something. And it was like, you should be starting to feel normal again, oh emotionally one to two weeks after <laughs> Things should be clearing up. I'm like, no, that's when my mom left. And all of a sudden <laughs> I fell apart worse. two weeks in. I was actually cruising on adrenaline and the high of everyone's attention the first two weeks. Cause that's oh when everyone was checking in on me. And then at yeah. two weeks, everyone was gone. And all of a sudden I was in my room holding the baby. Like what the fuck? What's, what's happening now? And all of a sudden all the sleep from the past two weeks, the deprivation hit all at once at that one time. And I was like, that was Yes. over the cliff. Yes. And if you're breastfeeding, <sighs> you always have a, 
a higher level of certain hormones. And when your breast milk regulates, it happens at that three to four month mark. You might be going back to work. Your baby has lost its reflexes, so it's becoming really distracted. A lot of people experience a dip in emotion because you're getting lower levels of Mm. oxytocin, which is one of Mm. those hormones that is always risen if you are breastfeeding. Um, It's necessary. Um, in order to breastfeed. So then you get back and, and, and there's a, this dip that I hear a lot of, a lot of clients will, if I'm not working with them, text me and be like, this is weird. Like, can we talk about this? Like all this. And I'm always yeah. like, once your doula, always your doula. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> of course you can text me. <laughs> um, so it is like those hormones never go away. And depending on where you are in your postpartum period, there's a shift. And how are you, how are you supposed to know? And imagine Googling that and being like, right. I'm supposed to be feeling my best right, right now. Right. And everything, oh everything, every parent book, every motherhood book, every WebMD it is written for a theoretical person, for a theoretical baby. Those are unicorns. They they may exist. They may be out there. And if you feel normal at one to two weeks, great. Yeah. Amazing. More power to you. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't, great. That's okay. Like there's resources and you're allowed to feel that way. And, you know, what? I, this is the part where it's like, as a doula, I, I don't care. I don't care. I'm not going to be like, oh my God, you don't feel quote unquote normal. (laughs) But like, do you care enough? Like, do you want resources? Do you want to talk to someone? Do you want to go to vetted websites? Do you want to join a mom group? Do you want to join a parent group? Should we go walk around the reservoir? Like how will, like, let's figure it out. Cause I've got a billion options for you. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. You're not isolated, Mm -hmm. even though you feel that way. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so we have to pause for a second. Speaking of motherhood, this company has been super helpful for me as I live my mom life. I am not great in the kitchen, never have been, but I do want to be able to make my daughter a delicious home-cooked meal. I feel like that's was such a beautiful memory for me as a kid, having my parents make me food. Um, I want that for my kiddo, even though I'm not a chef by nature, but because of HelloFresh, I have been able to do it and do it well and do it simply. I imagine this could also make the postpartum period so much easier oh yeah because yeah. no grocery shopping no it just comes right to your door yeah mm-hmm. HelloFresh is america's number one meal uh, kit they make cooking at home fun really easy and affordable they have more than they have more five-star recipes than any other meal kit so you know you'll get something delicious and they have something for everyone whether you're a vegetarian vegetarian family-friendly recipes and more hellofresh cuts out stressful meal planning and prepping so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in just about 30 minutes or even 20 minutes with their quick recipe options and their pre-portioned ingredients mean there's less prep for you and less food waste and the packaging hellofresh uses to ship your food is almost entirely made from recyclable or already recycled content so their carbon footprint is 25 percent lower than store-bought grocery made meals and the food is delicious last week i made the burgers for the family oh my goodness uh dad and ember were just so overjoyed also made me feel like a real badass chef so feel pretty real good about myself now you know what i might as well just sign up for bravo right now <laughs> give me a glass of shard i can cook you anything well, they don't cook you're more of a cook than most of them That's so with hello fresh very true i'll go into my auditions real strong um uh, guess what also you can add extra meals or lunches to your weekly order or throw in yummy sides like desserts garlic bread oh. cookie dough oh. okay and their cookie dough is 
insane. Um, and today you can go to hellofresh.com slash broads10 and use code broads10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. Yes, that's 10 free meals. Holy 10. Cow. What a great gift you can give to someone who's about to have a baby or in their postpartum yes. phase. 10 free meals. You don't even have to pay for it. <laughs> go to, to hellofresh.com slash broads10 and use code broads10 for 10 free meals, including free shipping. Okay, so let's just get into like, I'm sure there's probably a lot of moms listening who are like, well, or to be moms, soon to be moms who are like, well, fuck. I know. <laughs> Where the fuck does this leave me right now? Um, so maybe you can speak a little bit to that. How do you ever work with clients who are trying to prepare for their postpartum period and breastfeeding? Like, do you ever talk to people like before? Yeah. I mean, if they, if we, if I book with a client, we, I hold prenatals. Um, and a lot of that is a navigating, if you're choosing not to have a doula, which is fine, navigating, um, the birthing system that you are going to be walking into mm -hmm. specifically hospitals. Hospitals are great, but just like anything else, sometimes they're not so great. Mm -hmm. um, so being able to navigate that. Uh, breastfeeding, it's a hard one because a lot of people are like, what they reach out and they're like, I'm pregnant. What can I do to have a successful breastfeeding journey? And I'm like, have a professional. Like yeah. have an IB, you can hire an IBCLC or hire a postpartum doula that is proficient in lactation services. Um, prior to your birth, um, I definitely have gotten some clients who like two weeks in, they're like, can you please come? And I know that you're postpartum doula, but you also do lactation services. So I need help. I cannot feed my baby or my baby's losing weight or what does this mean? And, and the thing is, is like, I don't, there's not anything that you can do to prep because I don't know what your boobs are going to do. Yeah. And I don't know what mm -hmm. your baby's going to do. Um, and even if they do it right, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have anxiety about what is sure, going on. Sure, sure. So being able, and there are a ton of resources. Yeah. What about free resources if someone doesn't have the um, financial options? Yeah. So there are some, um, first of all, the, no one gets into work for the money. <laughs> um, there's not much to be made uh, for most most of the time. Um, LA so, is a little different. LA what? is a little different, but usually the people who are who are making money as a doula in LA, it's because they're like, I work seven hours a day, right. seven days a week. I cook every single meal for that entire family. I like they're. They, they just operate differently. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually am not longer. I usually am like, I work 50, like 50 hour package is probably my, my popularist one. Um, cause I don't want to work with, with you forever. Like get a nanny, find some friends. I'll help you do that. But I'm not that person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you just have to ask, I, I go on slating scales. I do, um, payment plans. Um, not a problem. I, there are some, um, nonprofits, uh, like I'm starting to work with a nonprofit. I'm going to start hosting my fourth trimester group with them. Cool. So it's That's just about awesome. reaching out. There are resources. And if there is not the best option then is to reach out, uh, and be like, are there any doulas that, that are interested in hosting a group? Like, I would love to be a part of that. I would love to do that. My fourth trimester group, um, started because I was like, there's not a low cost option for groups that is actually educational. Mm. That doesn't mean I show up and then I trade it poor information with the rest of the people. Like my group is moderated because mm -hmm. my theory is you don't know what you don't know, but 
I do. I know what you should have. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk about it. Because who thinks about the pelvic floor? Um, I do. I think about yeah. your pelvic floor. <laughs> I think about it for you. <laughs> so um, it's just about asking and connecting. Like you can, a lot of the doula boards, there are some Facebook groups that are really good that are like find doula, um, find birth workers or doulas in your area, something like that. And and if you are a pregnant person who cannot find a, a service within your price point, just put it out there. Just be like, are there any doulas that host low cost or free things? Or does anyone here know of a service that does provide it? Um, there are, I'm sure that there are cities that are not mm-hmm, yeah. available, but like I do phone consults. Um, so people can call, we can FaceTime, you can be, there are virtual doulas and um, things like that. You just Which have that to. would be really, that would have been really valuable for me too. Oh, for sure. Right. Right. Cause sometimes all it is, is just one conversation. Mm-hmm. Just like, how do I get my baby on a bottle? Okay, let's talk about it. Or is my are my boobs doing normal things? And and the thing is, it's like you mean like for a baby that will reject a bottle because yeah. I dealt with that up until nine months. Yeah, and it was horrible. <laughs> so well, I'll anyway, talk we'll to you later. later. About- <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so there are there are things, that, and that's what I wanted my Instagram page to be was like anyone can access this and it's free information. Um, at love of a little one on Instagram. <laughs> we'll put it in the episode notes, obviously. Um, because I often guinea pig myself. I don't rec- uh, I don't ever give resources or or things to go to that I haven't audited or been a part of or mm. tried myself. Um, I will like people kept asking me about hand expressions. So today I uploaded a video where you see my whole <gasps> boob and yeah, you see hand expressing, and it was really nice because a lot of people were like, I've never and I. I literally. Oh my goodness! That I would, be, would have been so valuable. Right. Oh my god! Right. I remember having to start doing that, not knowing what it would actually look like. Looking in the mirror, being like, "Is this correct? Like, it's not yeah. coming out like I'm hoping it would." And right, and that's what so so oh many people god. were like. Censored videos offer no help because mm-hmm. you can't see everything, or with a fake or boob. A fake boob. <laughs> yeah. That's not how. Like, which know. is great if that person isn't comfortable. Then yes, it's still an education and. and and there are some amazing birth workers who do not feel comfortable doing what I do, but um, it's just it, there are there are resources. You just have to you just have to put it out there. Um, like you were saying too, for like your second registry, doula is going to be one of the only things on the mm-hmm. list. Like even when you have your first child, there are so many fucking extra things that they tell you need to be on, on your registry that I never use. AKA nothing. AKA like there's 10 things you need. That's it. Like basic things, especially for the first few months. And for so many people, if you put on your registry, a doula or put on your registry, a lactation specialist, like if you want to do that for one of your friends, that would be the best gift. I feel like yeah, you could give them. Not to mention like with baby stuff, there's so much used stuff. That's so fucking dirt cheap. On, oh, like, yeah. of course. Like course. baby gear. Mm-hmm. I will ask clients after I leave their service on the last day of leaving their service if they have anything to um, donate. Oh, uh, that's I, great! I know that they have stuff to donate, yes. <laughs> and they want to get and I, you want to get out of my house. Yes, and uh, the last time I did this, I f- with just two clients, I filled up my husband's CRV wow. entirely, like front seat, middle seat, entire trunk with two clients. That's it. Um, there's a ton of, a ton of waste goes into baby stuff because Mm -hmm. the thing is, is like a onesie, super cute, but it's not going to change the trajectory of your postpartum experience. It's not going to change the trajectory of your breastfeeding experience at doula and IBCLC, a support system absolutely will. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
all the babies, by the way, like the majority of them, if they're born in a hospital for the first like month, they wear the white like kimonos that the hospital gives blue hat (laughs) yeah if you do a home birth they're much more apt to be like the baby is just gonna be naked (laughs) (laughs) or in cloth diaper like cubby didn't wear he was in a towel for two days like because i was like let air that bun out (laughs) ember was naked for like the first two months 100 it was during the summer too so it was so hot but also like you were saying becca too like how inexpensive i remember i for the first like five or six months of ember's life the onesie that i the onesies that i used i got um secondhand and i got like one onesie for i think like 25 50 cents a onesie yeah yeah and, and the, you have and to wash them so often anyways yes. it's like yeah <laughs> and it is i get really frustrated when people are like i'm so sorry i can't afford a doula i mean it's it's like okay cool that that four hundred dollars swing your child will most likely not ever stay in and if they do they'll probably be about a fifteen to twenty minute window where they're mm-hmm. happy that bassinet you probably will never use it because if you're you're probably going to pull your baby into your bed so like why don't you learn from your doula soothing techniques to do instead of trying to put your kid in that swing that they don't like or safe bed sharing practices instead of trying to force them to sleep in a bassinet that they do not want to be in mm-hmm. and so it's it's like services should always be number one. There's just so much waste. Yeah. I actually, someone asked me recently what they should get there. I don't know why I get, do you ever get asked this question a lot? Like, what should I get my Uh friend for the baby shower? And I was just telling, like, I just say like a house cleaner. That's yeah, a good like one. just pay for a house cleaner. Oh no, like, yeah, I'm like I'm like lactation <laughs> specialist, like dual yeah. house cleaner. Um, a big one for me was like like this Hello Fresh or Daily Harvest or some sort of food service that like I don't have that you s- can already have in your already, fridge. Like mm-hmm. God bless you, my precious friends. I don't want you showing up at my door delivering food because you're gonna want to come in and you're gonna want to yeah. talk to me and I might not want to be in the zone to right. talk to anybody right now. And that's the thing, a doula um, can straighten your house. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things I love doing is uh, making big batch meals for the entire family that are not only nutritious, but also provide um, support and recovery for your postpartum period. And like, I'll run to the market and get that stuff and then come in and cook. Um, That's part of my, when I see people in the first 24 hours, um, I bring a meal that we've chosen and I take golden hour photos and then I'm like, now let's talk about your boobs and see, you know, like, oh my goodness. Aren't there also, you know, when you're talking about breastfeeding resources, aren't there lactation consultant like services or groups like La Leche League that you can get free like expert information yes, from? Yes, yes. Uh, La Leche League is amazing. So the the only resources that I ever am like, please actually go to these websites or is kellymom.com yeah, is incredibly Mom. beneficial. Mm-hmm. Evidence-based birth. They do sometimes talk about postpartum stuff. Mm-hmm. Breastfeeding is a part of birth. I mean, the thing is, is postpartum is a part of birth just because you gave you had the baby doesn't mean your birth is done. You're still healing, recovering. There's a lot of stuff that happened in your birth that it's the next stage of labor. It's Mm -hmm. the next stage of labor. Um, and, uh, the Leche League is a really great resource. And then they have resources off of that, um, that are really comprehensive and beneficial. But the problem is the, a big thing is, is like foundational information is great. However, it can also be not so great if, if you like, let's take, people are always like feed your baby 15 to 20 minutes on each side. That works if it's working. However, some babies actually only eat off of one side for five minutes and they're done and they're satiated because they're a, it's a perfect system. And so those are the people who are like, everyone was telling me 15 to 20 minutes. 
And then I can't keep keep him on that long. Right, right. Well, maybe your breast capacity holds enough that you don't need to feed off of two breasts and your baby is an efficient eater. Cool. Great. Let's move on. Let's mm-hmm. you you've got 15 extra minutes oh my to go and do something. What would you like to do? Total. I had that situation happen where I was reading online and I was panicking because Ember would stay on one boob for like 30 and like 5 minutes for the other and I'm like I'm not and I remember my like my left breast felt fine, but because of what I read, I'm like there's something wrong because I'm not feeding enough and I'm going to get like mastitis in this I don't know when I was panicking and then speaking of La Leche League, one of my mom's best friends is part of that and she's a lactation specialist and she came over to my house and I was like Aunt Lizzie please help me like this one won't work and she was like honey it's fine this breast probably just produces more and this one doesn't they're both different they're like eyebrows right uh uh not not they're, twin they're, sisters, they're sisters. <laughs> yeah. it's like it's okay they're different it's okay don't pressure if this one feels fine oh, she likes the one it. and likes the one right side exactly for whatever exactly it's like it's fine but i if i hadn't have had a lactation specialist or someone come in who's professional in some capacity and tell right. me that my anxiety was through the roof and i was like i know something's wrong <laughs> it wasn't it's fine right the internet had me paranoid right and there's and it's also like i had one person in group who was like um Oh, she was talking about her problem that she was having for that week. And she was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. We were talking about it for about 15, 20 minutes. <laughs> and she was like, I'm so sorry. I'm taking control of the entire group. And I, and I was like, first of all, stop apologizing. Second of all, if you have seen specialists that have not taken 15 to 20 minutes and not asked you all the questions that I've asked you, then you haven't seen the right specialist. Mm. Like this question warrants this amount of conversation because when someone is like, my baby won't take the breast, it's like, are they latching? What are your breasts doing? What are you doing? What are you eating? What are you drinking? How are you sleeping? What is your baby? Like, have you had chiropractic care? Any other body work? Like, how was your labor? How was your baby in utero? Like breech babies, they have a lot of issues with like torticollis because they're upside down or there might be like transverse babies where they're like wonky neck in utero. And so those, those babies might have higher risk of having breastfeeding issues, which need body work. It could be like their latch is fine, but they just feel uncomfortable at the breast because they're a mm. person. And um, you just need to... Like that person should be asking those questions. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to like shade at the hospital at all because I had actually a very wonderful experience and the nurses were fantastic. But, um, on my, after I had my little one, the, like the lactation specialist from the hospital came and she was with me for me, I mean, maybe five minutes and she checked Ember's latch and was like, you're perfect. And I remember in that moment even feeling like, are, are you sure? Okay, okay. And I didn't advocate for myself like I needed to because I'm like, I know that there's something off. Something just doesn't feel right to me. Um, and it was like cut to two weeks later, you know, pediatricians scaring the shit out of me because they're like, he's like, she's losing weight like crazy. And I was like, but they told me my latch is fine. Like, I don't know. And then when I had my, my aunt Lizzie, my uh, lactation specialist come over, she right away. And it was literally the most minute, tiny thing. She just adjusted it and it changed everything. Right. But she spent, she was with me, you know, she, it was a quick little adjustment, but she sat with me for like an hour and like went through this whole process with me. Right. And a lot of people rely on the hospital to give you information, but nurses, OBs, even your pediatrician, they are not experts in breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Pediatricians. Yeah. I I had this experience and I want to go into a little bit about like misconceptions about breastfeeding because 
most of us have experienced a lot. And um, one thing that I dealt with and something that I actually see on Instagram a lot and my sister-in-law de- is dealing with it right now. And some uh, Kelly mom was such a great resource because I was able to find on Kelly mom, the breastfeeding growth charts compared to mm-hmm. the growth charts that were like made <laughs> in the fifties where babies were predominantly breastfed and I'm not yeah. predominantly uh, formula. formula fed in the fifties. And seeing how those growth charts differ because my pediatrician who was very much like we went to him because he's like more this holistic, like minded pediatrician who is very like both mom and parent and baby friendly. But, you know, yeah, he was like the weight's not like looking great. Let's start supplementing. And for me, my baby literally wouldn't take a bottle. And so. We tried supplementing, didn't work. So we just kind of kept breastfeeding because in my gut, I felt like my baby's really happy Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we're not having any issues and she's hitting her milestones and all of these things. So in my gut, in my instincts, I felt like she was fine. And so we did just continue to exclusively breastfeed. And then like with my sister-in-law, she is dealing with the same thing, but she started supplementing and then now is she's really bummed out because now the baby's basically her supply has started to dwindle and uh and and guess what her baby isn't gaining any more weight on the formula and she's like this is bullshit why did i even like start doing this in the first place so yeah anyway so these are some of the many frustrating experiences that can come about during these different feeding processes yeah because um first of all growth charts are great but they're kind of bullshit um it's the same one that most pediatricians will look at for formula fed breastfed preemie full term late term uh supplemented and so it's really confusing um also weight is cool like it's it needs to be an upward trajectory not that you're hitting specific milestones um because babies are born as like master caloric regulators and so like I don't know why we treat, and this, this is a lot I'm dealing with, with my toddler and people, but like being like, oh, you're full, eat more. Because if I say that I'm full, people, and I'm not going to eat the rest. People be like, oh my God, way to listen to your body. But if a child (laughs) says that they're full and they don't want any more, people are like, oh my God, you're going to go down in a weight growth chart. So true. And Mm -hmm. it is important because it is important during a certain time period after a baby is born because they do need to be getting a, a certain amount of calories and they do need to be putting on weight. What to is survive. that time period? So your your baby is given about two weeks uh, to get back to birth weight. It's pretty common that they'll lose about 10% of their weight. Now, again, this will be like, do they lose 10% in two weeks or do mm. they lose 10% in two days? Obviously, if you're losing 10% in two days, that's a there might be other issues as opposed to 10% in two weeks. Maybe that baby just is had a long labor, has some other breastfeeding issues they need to sort out, like all these other things. Um, and so... Any yeah, did they have to be treated immediately after birth for right. this or that? Right. Like, and it's really interesting because um, hospital policies and OB policies and pediatrician policies are very uh, in the moment policies. Um, like I've had clients ask to see policies based on what nurses are telling them. And the nurse is like, oh, well, it's not actually written down. It's just something like, and, and so it's very frustrating because, and I do not care if you give your kid formula. Formula is life-saving. It's wonderful. Just like anything else, it can cause side effects within a child. Um, so to be aware of what that is, but 
some ho- like the hospitals here, there's a hospital here in California that the nurse will literally get dinged if they do not offer formula to the client. Right. Wow. Right. Why? <laughs> That's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, you know, I had a, or some will do it without even asking the parent, which is what has right, which happened is, to families I know too. Yeah, which is a huge thing because formula does change the gut bacteria inside of your stomach and it can cause a higher rate of food sensitivities and digestive issues. And also most people are like f- supplement. But did your pediatrician tell you how much? No. Right. Of course they didn't. Yeah. And this is the anger that I have because what happens is, are you giving two ounces or five ounces or 10 ounces or like, are you supplementing before you're putting baby on the breast right. or after? Yeah. Right. And the thing is, is <laughs> supplementation is really hard because, um, most babies, unless medically necessary, should never consume more than 32 fluid ounces in a 24 hour period. So if you're like, my kid gets eight routinely eight ounce bottles, they're most likely being overfed Hmm. to a detrimental point. Um, And also breast milk and formula digest differently. So you do have to feed larger quantities of one over the other. And like, that's important. And uh, no one's, so when people say supplement, they're never given how much. And then you're just like, now a, in my head, I'm starving my baby my baby is going to die if I do not give. And so what happens is there's a huge pendulum swing to now you're putting your child in an equal or worse situation because you're feeding them way too much. And also where is your mental health yeah, with that? Where's your mm-hmm. mental- I know I saw actually it was a mom from The Bachelor who was talking about like, I can't believe I didn't see the signs that he was hungry. Like, I can't believe that I was stuck and all this stuff. And I was like, oh my God, I've felt for her so much in that moment Mm -hmm. of like this mental spiral that was happening because she was being told that what she was doing was inadequate. And that's right. And it sucks because the, you know, babies are the most simplest, but complex creatures. Um, because they're human. <laughs> um, and a lot of their cues for things are very similar for other things. Your, your hunger cues are very similar to, um, sleep cues and angry cues and frustrated cues. And I'm a alien on a planet cue. And so I often tell people like, instead of focusing on what your baby is doing, think about what they're like, look at their body, read their body. Is there, are their hands open? Open hands means full belly. Um, are they relaxed? Do they have those floosy, goosey, floppy bodies? Are they head back, mouth wide open, look like they just came back from a night of drinking? <laughs> like that's a full baby. Mm. That's a happy baby. That's a happy baby. <laughs> and so if they're gaining weight on any upward trajectory where there's no outlying medical reason why your baby needs to be consuming mass amounts of calories, then you're fine. Like yeah. who cares? Your pediatrician is an expert at making your sick child well. That's it. And if your child isn't deemed sick, like I had someone who was saying that they were their pediatrician was so concerned and they were telling him to supplement. And I was like, it's and then what did he do? And they were like, then he sent me home. I was like, great. If he had that great of a concern, your child would be in the hospital right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. This is not a life or death situation. Right. Or right. would be getting sent to an expert in right. some field. <laughs> yeah. You have enough time to call a lactation expert, yeah. book an appointment, and figure out what is going on with your baby. Because your baby not growing can be a, a maraud of things that are, are issues. And it could be something that is as simple as positioning on mm-hmm. the breast that baby isn't able to, that then the milk transfer goes up. Um, can and we, it, go yeah, ahead. Go, go ahead. No. 
I don't want to, I don't want to segue out of the conversation because it's good. I'll ask for um, a second. No, just, yeah, just like, I mean, breastfeed. And this is why it is really important. This is why the $200 fee that the lactation, the IBCLC is going to charge is nothing. It's nothing. Compared to how much for, you're going to have to spend on formula. formula. If you don't really want to, because right. I know some people for like mental, emotional, all these other reasons, yes. work reasons are going to choose no, formula No, but if you want to breastfeed then the you're formula's gonna, gonna cost a hell of a lot of money right <laughs> oh my goodness right and it is just i wish people would be more honest i wish pediatricians would be like you know what this is out of the scope of my understanding mm-hmm. but i have a really great ibclc that works in my office i've never met a pediatrician who has an ibclc that works in their office and That'd i don't amazing. understand why yeah. right like <laughs> You're a doctor. You're not God. You don't know everything. No one expects you to know everything. Um, and it and it is horrible. And the way that babies operate within a certain amount of time after giving birth is very um, different than when they like, quote unquote, wake up. Like you were in labor for 56 hours. I would expect that your baby is going to be incredibly sleepy. Therefore, they may want to sleep instead of eat. Mm. They may have a perfect latch because they're not doing anything. They're just blips around a nipple (laughs) and they're not actively transferring colostrum um also the people who think like colostrum is not like i don't have enough or i don't my milk didn't come in or the whole that whole thing with supplementation is that i've just seen a lot of people a lot of clients um and luckily this is something that we talk about and we talk about in prenatals. And this is why I see my clients in the hospital right after they had their babies is because, you know, n- nurses should not be con- touching you without consent. They're, they're like, that's just a full stop. Um, and it gets me really angry because I've literally had to stop nurses from reaching and grabbing someone's breast to shove it into a baby whose mouth is not open, nor are they hungry or showing hunger cues because she, that nurse has some sort of, um, chart that she's got a box that she has to check off right and like that's not cool (laughs) and also you can check yourself out of the hospital it's uh, it's uh, a hotel not a prison so (laughs) just remember that (laughs) it's the most expensive hotel you'll ever say that that is a pricey right right okay broad so i'm gonna pause and here's the tea I tend to live a pretty sedentary lifestyle behind a computer or phone while sitting most of the time. And I have to be real with you, it's gotten more that way this past year and it can kind of make me feel blue. I've noticed myself feeling down more and realized that I just really need to get my blood pumping and body moving more often. But I also don't like going to the gym. I feel exposed. Um, Luckily, I have a perfect way to get my body moving while not having to leave my living room and obrods. I have been loving it lately. It is called Open Fit. Open Fit takes all the complexity out of working out. It's a new fitness streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. Those 10 minutes, they're going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Open Fit offers 350 brand new live workouts every week. You can choose from bar and Pilates classes, cardio, strength training, yoga, even guided walking and running sessions. All you need is your phone and a pair of headphones. And every Monday, OpenFit launches a new three-week live challenge, a different live workout every day for three weeks. You can even connect with your trainer and classmates using OpenFit's live chat tool. It's really incredible, and you're going to get in those minutes of exercise to make you feel way better. Yeah, no, it's it really helps my mood. And the live workouts are super cool because it makes you feel like you're part of something, a community without having to be at the gym. Um, and also something to think about is that some places only sell classes as a package and often you can't make it to every class. So you end up wasting 
wasting money, but OpenFit brings those classes to you anytime, anywhere, no money wasted. OpenFit has changed the way I work out and texting the code chatty to 505050, you can join us on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Right now during the OpenFit 14-day challenge, our listeners get a special extended 14-day free trial membership to membership to OpenFit when you text chatty to 505050, you will get full access to OpenFit. All the workouts and nutrition information totally free. Again, just text chatty to 505050. Standard message and data rates may apply. So, we may we have been talking about not just joys of motherhood, but also a lot about the trials and one of the most important things is that a mother feels heard even when they may feel alone. I feel like we've been talking about this over and over again Mm -hmm. and an amazing way for a mother and all people to feel seen and heard is through speaking to a therapist and an amazing place to find a therapist is through Talkspace. Also perfect for moms who don't want to have to leave the house. Exactly. I absolutely love Talkspace. I think it is so important. Talkspace online therapy is the most convenient and affordable way to make lasting change in your life with the support of a licensed therapist. Talkspace matches you with a licensed therapist based on your needs and preferences. They have thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties. So if you have something really specific you don't want to work on, they'll find the right person for you. And once you're matched, you can begin therapy the very same day. You can send your licensed therapist text, audio, picture, or video messages from your phone or computer whenever you need to, even if it's on the way to work. Uh, You don't have to make appointments or deal with extra commutes. Everything happens within Talkspace. Uh, It's a secure platform all on your schedule. I think most people can understand the feeling of needing to talk to your therapist in that moment and having to wait for your appointment booked a week away is so tough. Talkspace makes sure that you get therapy when you need it, where you need it. The bottom line is that life can be really hard. And Talkspace wants to give more of us the support we need at a price we can afford. And as a listener of this podcast, you can get $100 off your first month on Talkspace. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure to use code CHATTY to get $100 off your first month, 100 bucks off, mm-hmm. and show your support for the show. That's CHATTY at Talkspace.com. Can we talk about two things that um, I hear talked a lot? Well, and also I just wanted to say that it's, I understand why it is such an emotional topic to go over and why it's so hard, but also like for you mamas listening right now who may have had like the one thing off and they wanted to breastfeed and they couldn't like, that's not any slight on you. It's actually not any reflection on you or your inadequacy. If anything, it's like, it's not your fault that you didn't have the tools and support that you needed. And that's like nothing to feel bad about. No, No, because we're coming from a generation that um, is very much like, just pop a bottle in. We don't need to like swallow your emotions, swallow your feelings, share nothing. Don't ever ask for help. Mm -hmm. And it's even just having conversations like this is really, really important because all those people, you know, you do the best that you can as a parent in the moment. And that's all. No one else is, no one's expecting you to do anything else. And yeah, I, I've started gauging it too. When I was thinking about like, you know, I think some people might be, I know people are hurt when they're hearing, like, I wasn't able to give my child the very best option. I think about it like this. It's a little bit different, but I'm like, you know, the very best thing is for me to read to my child 20 minutes a day. Do I do that? No. Yeah. Like, yeah. do oh. I think of myself less as a parent because yeah. I'm not doing the very best choices for her? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but sometimes, do I, sometimes but, yeah. But do yeah. I need to? No. Well, and here's the thing. Doulas work with formula-fed babies. 
Yeah. We work with surrogates. We work with adoptive. We work with same sex. We work with, we go into homes where no one is physically and biologically able to breastfeed. Like that is not a, a so it doesn't, at least for me, mm-hmm. I don't have any biases toward anyone formula. I, I hate actually the, the fed is best versus breast is best. I hate that whole topic. It's education is best. Mm. Educate yourself so you can make empowered, confident decisions. If you do the research and you talk to someone beforehand and you Informed have help, choices are best. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so like really no one gives a shit if you feed your kid breast milk or formula. It's Were just, you supported? Did you have the information that you yes. needed when you needed it? Yes. And that if you didn't, that doesn't fall on you. And I feel the right. same way about deliveries as well. Informed yeah, totally. decisions are best. Whatever yes. whatever version of childbirth is best for you or that is necessary in the moment, like, you know, so right. long as you're educated and that's the best that you can right. do. Because, you inf- yeah. Yeah. Because everyone's safe space is different mm-hmm. and that's, you can't tell someone that they're going to be better off at home or in a birthing center or in a hospital. Unfortunately, exactly. though, like so, in, so much information in the moment when you need it most isn't there. Right. I wanted to ask you about two topics that um, that are like kind of hot button. One is just like, <laughs> well, one is just like about pain during breastfeeding. And I know a lot of women have questions about that. Like, is it supposed to hurt? Is this something that's supposed to toughen up to? And then also um, milk supply. Because I hear that cited a lot as a reason why. And I was wondering if you could illuminate some information for both of these. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pain during breastfeeding is common, but not normal. Just because something is uh, normal doesn't mean that it should be, or common doesn't mean that it should be happening. Um, Also, usually people who are birthing babies are of a disposition that we need to swallow our pain and we need to not be so like, just deal with it. This is a part of it. And so I, I say that there's a very fine line between pain and being uncomfortable and you have to decide it's your Mm. job to tell me, are you in pain or are you feeling uncomfortable? It is very uncomfortable for someone to be sucking on your nipple yeah. <laughs> for 20 minutes and then switching for 20 minutes and then coming back for an hour after an hour and doing it again. Or sometimes yeah. cluster feeding at 11 p.m. Yes. for three yes. hours. So like oh, even if you're, feeding. yeah, most people <laughs> have not experienced that kind of uh, wear and tear on that specific body part. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first couple days, y- yes, the the pain is is much more prevalent in the first couple couple days, couple weeks, but usually, um, if it's pain, if it's persistent and consistent, it's a problem. Mm. And that's like overlying with breastfeeding and with anything birth. Is it consistent and persistent? So do you have pain every single time and how, and has this been going on for weeks that the answer is yes, then yeah, that's an, to me, that's an orange or red flag, depending on what else is happening with the baby. Or if now, you're dreading, I know some people are like, I was just right. like yeah. quaking for the, waiting for the next feed in fear. Right. So there are like, again, seeing a lactation specialist where she's, they might be like, oh, there is a physical issue. Your baby is not latching properly. This can be, here are your options and how, here's how we resolve it. Or they can be like, oh, what is your history? Like, oh, do you have a sexual trauma? That is a really important question Mm. that someone should be asking you if you are breastfeeding (laughs) because you might have a higher sensitivity or a higher, um, 
feeling and is that pain mental or physical like Mm. these are really important questions that most people don't get asked um but like I had a friend who is a survivor and breastfeeding was very traumatic from her and she she really was like I felt like I was in pain until someone really unpacked this for me and then was like oh I'm not physically in pain I'm just feeling like this is it's triggering for me this is incredibly triggering and she breastfed her daughter for several years so wow she was able to to walk through that and 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 get help and resources and everything, but um, that's it. That's important. I'm uncomfortable. I even feel uncomfortable sometimes still breastfeeding at three years postpartum. Oh, be pregnant and breastfeeding, <laughs> uncomfortable all the time. <laughs> also, the nipple twiddling. It's not even her sucking. It's her oh, yes. pulling Stop. on my other nipple with her little fingernails like yeah. this. What the fuck is that? My son. Well, she's trying to elicit milk flow. It's a common. Oh, I know. Oh, oh you're. But just I'm so like, annoying. stop. <laughs> well, it's funny because before she would hit and do mm-hmm. that, which. But then with the specific one, she gets with her little fingernails and is going like. <laughs> I this didn't know with that it. that 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 elicits milk flow. Yeah, so that's babies. Well, that's what they're trying to do. That's babies. <laughs> they're like tuning you up, like mm-hmm. a radio on the other side. I'm like, oh. yeah, they're stimulating. <gasps> oh wow! It's really common. A lot of people be like, oh my gosh, my baby keeps hitting me. They must be starving, or they must not like my milk, or they must not like me. And I'm like, no. They're doing millennia old instinctual patterns, which is trying to elicit letdowns, which a letdown is the reflex that causes milk to flow through the milk duct. They're like, no, your baby loves your milk. They're like, mom. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Until they they get to be toddlers and then they're just annoying jerks (laughs) that are like, (laughs) doing anything to bug you. My son digs his chin into my breast and I'm like, get out of here uh-huh. and he he thinks it's so funny or the I'm, gymnastics at night where it's like i'm gonna put now my legs on your neck yes. and go in a circle around the like a, uh, that's what people call it gymnastics and i and love that like, oh my gosh. <laughs> um and then milk supply it's a really interesting thing because boobs are all different so you have to go in with the understanding that um you have a certain number of milk ducts in your breasts they're different most likely between both breasts. Most people have a breast that outperforms and most people has a breast that underperforms mm. compared to the breasts that outperforms. Uh, I had a mom who called it her shitty titty and I just really <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, super common. Cause again, they're not clones. Yeah. They're not, you know, they're, they're sometimes they're distant cousins. Yeah. Let's be honest. <laughs> like, um, also how much milk you can hold inside of a milk duct, the capacity of the milk duct. Uh, mm. Unless I looked uh, at your milk duct in my hand, which would mean very sketchy things are going on. I really couldn't tell you exactly how much your capacity to hold is. Oh. Mm. So we use, you know, my friend Julie, she's wonderful. She's actually the IBCS IBCLC I work with. She's also a speech pathologist. She's amazing. Um, She always says that this is the first generation that can quantify milk supply before you fed your baby. This idea that we need to have a stash is horrific. Um, It really trips a lot of people up. It causes a lot of issues. It causes a lot of negative feelings that then stress inhibits milk flow. So if you're stressed about making milk, you're not going to make milk. Mm. Um, also, the only thing that will make more milk is releasing milk. People on the Facebook, these mom blogs or stuff is like, you can drink all the water you want and you can take all the supplements and you can eat all the freaking oak, oats and spinach or any other galactagogue that there is. But if you do not release milk, you cannot make milk. 
your body, if you don't release milk, your body absorbs it and then remembers that and doesn't make that much milk the next time. Also, nothing's going to extract milk like the baby's going to. So a pump is not going to extract or stimulate milk supply yep. like a baby is. yeah unless there is a medical issue where baby is not transferring properly baby always will outperform a, bra- a, a breast pump and it's gonna outstim i mean i remember sitting with a pump being like why am i not letting down right yeah. now and then oh. you have baby on and you're like boom boom waterfall yes. for sure oh no i can't remember how many times i literally because i used to breastfeed with my pump in front of the mirror <laughs> just oh. sit in front of the mirror with my pump on and i remember that um, two of my friends who had given birth around the same time, um, had a very intense supply and they were like very proud of the fact that they had a freezer full of tons of milk and they were like, you need to do this. And so I had like two bags at any given time. I, I had, I had like none because my, I just had like the right amount for my daughter and I wasn't able, the pump did not, I would get literally drops out. And I can't tell you how many times I'd sit in front of the mirror because I love watching myself cry, crying <laughs> myself, being like, nothing's coming out. Like I'm a bad mother. Like, you know, whatever assuming that i needed to have this freezer full of milk right so you when you give birth to a baby the hormones in your body um produce milk on a schedule that is i don't know whether you had one baby or you had a whole litter and so your body does regulate typically it happens at three to four months for some people though their body clicks in earlier for some it clicks in later and it's your body becoming more efficient Mm -hmm. like people who are like i'm pumping x like these I always say X because I never want to quantify anything, but large, large amounts of milk. I'm like, it sounds like you have an oversupply and that is a, can lead to can issues. Be a hindrance. Yeah. yeah. It can lead to issues like clogged ducts or mastitis, which is, is an infection in the breast. Um, a normal pump for an in-between feeding is 0.5 to 1.5 ounces total. That's a that could be like a quarter of a, a quarter of an a ounce. ounce on each breast, which when you are pumping into <laughs> an shook. eight ounce bottle is looks like drops. <laughs> and shook. then and people are like, oh, no, people are like, oh, I'm pumping three ounces for in between feedings and I don't have enough. You're like, that's amazing. <laughs> that's that's a literal oversupply. That yeah. is an oversupply. That is almost triple what is a typical a medium typical output for an in between feeding pump. So triple that is is an oversupply. And if you have a legitimate oversupply and you continue to pump and pump and pump and pump, what you're doing is you're telling your body to make more milk than it should be making, thus leading to a lot of issues. I know, I know some people who start pumping after like almost every feed right when they give birth. Right. And I'm like, your, your body's going to think you have twins. Right. And your body already does think that you have more than one baby. And it's going to keep thinking you have twins. Yeah. yeah. So it's milk supply is really interesting. Um, You can, and I will, for people who are like, you know, I had a, I had a baby and we're kind of giving up breastfeeding because I don't think this is possible. It still is possible. You can absolutely lactate without ever having given birth to a baby. You just have to find a care provider who can lead you down the Mm. the correct path. I have a friend, um, her and her wife are choosing adoption and she is lactating. She has been working for six months to lactate so that when they get the baby, um, yeah. So it's like those people, you know, there's 
boobs are so freaking amazing. That's in, and also like, if you don't have the mental capacity to go through, you're like, I don't have the time, energy, any of that, like does not reflect on you. Like right. that's not right. A bear, uh, saying that you're going to breastfeed is just as powerful of a statement as saying, I don't want to breastfeed and I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Great. I'm so glad that you are very confident and empowered in your choice. That's the whole freaking point. Um, most of what I do hear, though, is people saying, I wanted to. Right. And this most is of the what messages I get. Way. It's yes. like, why right. isn't it working? And I'm like, right. this, this stood in my way. Yeah. And then I also saw something that was basically like the the things are often diagnosed as the uh, undersupply of milk because like maybe baby isn't getting a proper latch. So then baby isn't getting enough milk. And then when the supplementing is happening, like we were talking about, then baby's not on the breast as much. So then your breasts are like, maybe you didn't start out with a true undersupply, but because of circumstances and not getting the help and information that you need now, you don't have. Right. Breastfeeding with a lot of things with parenting, it's like um, a, a machine with a lot of cogs. And sometimes it's it's one cog. And and what you're trying to do is put that cog back in that's askew and then all the other cogs fit into place. But if you askew that cog more, then the next one pops out and then the next one pops out. And now you're going you're going backwards. Mm-hmm. And so being able to understand and like it it I don't even know everything about breasts and I have dedicated (laughs) (laughs) I've dedicated my life to breasts years (laughs) to this at this point and I don't know I I I don't know everything and so to expect the average person who's like I'm an accountant in my free time and uh, being held hostage as a breastfeeding (laughs) parent right now in my fun time um to expect them to know everything is so ridiculous and I just like I just don't, if you have a problem, if your leg is broken, you go and you see a doctor. So if your boobs aren't working the way that they should be working, go and see a specialist. Right. You don't immediately get in the wheelchair and are like, this is my life now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <sighs> and I, it's the one thing that people are always like, well, just give up because mm-hmm. we have bottles and we're quantifying milk. And it's a wonderful thing that we can give bottles and formula and all this other stuff. But it's just like if you want, if that's detrimental to your mental health as mm-hmm. the birthing person who wants to breastfeed, then that's not like you do have options. You always have options. Always, always, always. Um, cause milk supply is really, is really funny. And it's like, you know, I've been, I've been nursing my son for, for three years and my boobs are so soft and, and loved, uh, and they still make milk. And there are times where I pump, which is unusual at three years. Most people aren't pumping, but I'm a crazy person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, um, they still produce milk. Is it as much as I wish? No, because I wish I was making 10 ounces. I wish it's a competition. I want to be with yourself the best. Yeah. I want to just outperform myself, but, um, I don't, but every drop is so magical and so special and should be celebrated. And it's like, if you, if you understand how, how milk supplies work, then it just, your most milk supplies don't dry up in a day and they don't dry up in two days. And, and things also like pace feeding, if you do need to supplement or do want to give your baby a bottle is super important. And a lot of people don't even know what pace feeding is, but never heard of it. Me either. Perfect. Um, (laughs) (laughs) pace feeding is so the, the long, which you can add it to a shorter version, but I always have to give all the information. Um, so when baby gets to breast, they do a stimulate, activate, rest. 
Uh, they burn most of their calories at the breast eating. So rest periods are normal and natural and needed. Um, so what happens when you get a baby giving a bottle, they lose the stimulation and they lose the rest period. And you basically beer bong that bottle instead of letting them sip that milk like it is the fine wine that it deserves to be <laughs> drink, drank as. So what happens is because babies are designed instinctually to survive in the easiest way possible, they will always choose that bottle because they don't have to work for it. Boom. It's in the belly like that. Yes. Wow. Also then what happens, overfeeding can happen if you don't pace feed because just like us, babies are humans and it takes about 15 to 20 minutes for the receptors in their stomach to feed to their brain and say, you're full. So when someone is super proud that their baby took a bottle in three minutes, most of most likely, A, that baby is going to reject the breast eventually. Um, B, they're probably going to have massive, massive digestive issues. Issues. And three, at some point that baby will most likely be overfed because that baby is going to continue crying and showing hunger cues. And you're going to be like, three ounces wasn't enough. I got to give four. And then that baby sucks it down in two minutes. Oh my God, the baby's still hungry. Give him more, give him more. And, and also like my breast must have been so inadequate if the baby's so right. hungry. Right. And your breast, depending on the milk capacity, will never be able to compete with that large of a bottle. And so some, some babies or, uh, so pace feeding is super important because some people will be like, I gave my bottle a baby and then they started to reject the breast. Is it the bottle? They always want to blame the bottle or the breast. And it's like, well, it was user error of whoever was <laughs> yeah. giving that bottle. It wasn't you. And who gives a shit what kind of bottle? Because they're all the same. I have my biases and my preferences, but it's, it's a tool. And just like every tool, it's, it's how you use it not mm. what it is. Um, and so they, you know, they blame themselves and it's not that it's, it's typically user error. Um, when people say that, and then you're like, how much does your baby eat? And they're like eight ounces every time. And it's like, oh. and they have reflex and they have food sensitivities and they have digestive issues and they don't sleep well. And they're always crying and grumpy. Of course, it all stems from the one cog that needs to be put back into place. Mm. So pace feeding is really important because for milk supply and also understanding is your baby a grazer or are they a full meal baby? Are they, um, you know, if you have a grazer and your milk capacity, your the milk duct capacity is a smaller storage bag, you're going to get more frequent eatings. If your baby is a full meal and you have a large capacity, you're going to get less frequent eatings. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it's the same. They're still at the end of the day getting the same amount of ounces. It's just, are you a snacker or are you a full mealer? Yeah. Wow. Also, can like you were saying about the pumping, one of the first red flags I had with my pediatrician, which I thankfully knew this was a red flag. I'm not sure how. It was actually literally because, probably because of your Instagram. <laughs> but he said, well, how, when we were looking at her weight, he said, how much do you get when you pump? And I immediately knew. <laughs> Seriously, because of your Instagram, I was like, that's not an indicator of right. how much baby oh, nice. is getting, nice. which I actually didn't say because I'm a pussy, but I was like silently like, judging, huh. like, I'm not going to listen to anything you say about breastfeeding right. now. I was like, right. <laughs> the only time I ask about how much are you pumping is if a uh, baby is losing weight having latch issues and there are other red flags because then, then with the, how much are you pumping? I have questions like when, um, was it right after baby eight? Right. It, yeah. When, um, do you have thyroid issues? Did you mm. lose copious amounts of blood during labor? Like all of these, you need blood to make milk. So if you 
lost a ton of blood in your labor and you did not get a transfusion, you have a higher chance of having breastfeeding issues, supply Hmm. issues, because you can't make milk without blood. If you have a thyroid issue that's diagnosed, but your levels are off or undiagnosed, the thyroid controls milk production. So if those, if your thyroid isn't working right, you're going to have milk production issues. Again, I've never had anyone be like, my pediatrician asked what my labor and delivery was like, and do I have a thyroid? (laughs) They just said, supplement, your baby isn't getting enough. Um, And pumping is never, some people never... I had a friend who she never picked up the pump once and she would hand express full bottles, whatever that means. I don't mean a full bottle, a full feed yeah. in a bottle yeah. for her child. Um, anytime her baby needed a bottle. Cool. Cause she was like, I sit down at a pump and I get nothing, but then I hand express and I get and a full works. feed and it works. Cause different strokes for different folks. Yo, mm-hmm. like <laughs> there's just like, I think actually following your Instagram is a great place to start. Cause there was even stuff like around the three or more mo- four month mark when my boobs weren't Pam Anderson tits anymore. <laughs> I was all of a sudden like, She's starving. I remember there was one night where she was continuing to feed and I don't know why I got it in my head that she wasn't getting food. And I was just like, she's not getting it up. Crying into her hair. I was just like, I have something's happening. My milk's drying up. And then I was like, oh, wait, no, it's my milk regulating because I'm not just squirting milk everywhere anymore or leaking all over myself all night. So that means that I have the right amount of milk. (laughs) No more squirting. But I didn't know that. Right. No one told me that about my milk supply regulating. Everyone wants to be engorged and engorgement is a a symptom of a potential problem. It's not a goal. Your goal Mm. should never be engorgement. That is your milk ducts being filled past capacity to a painful point to a painful point and everyone is like oh my god i'm not engorged or leaking anymore i'm not making milk okay squeeze your boob if milk is coming out you're making milk like you're you're making milk yeah or i don't get letdowns anymore at a year i didn't i haven't felt a letdown in months and some people never do it's not indicative leaking is not indicative breast size is not indicative you can you can have implants you can have had implants and breastfeed you can you can have one boo because you have a uh some people i um donated to a mom who she had had a mastectomy or is that the word yeah mastectomy yeah. yeah i'm literally like um had a mastectomy and so she only had one breast so she could feed with her one breast like it's not it's one just, mom i fall had nipple scarring from a nipple piercing yeah and she's like nipple- so i do one side yeah so it's like oh. pretty amazing. You can you can feed off of just one side and pump the other. Um, if you do not have the resources or funds mm. to get help um, or to get body work or all these. And this is the thing. This is why just full circle going back to the registry is because most likely if you have issues, your doula or IBCLC is going to recommend services that are unfortunately most likely not covered by insurance, like chiropractic care, cranial sacral care, or, um, additional body work. And it's just, or other types of, Oh, you need a nipple shield. Those are $12 each time or go buy a Haka. Okay. That's $20 right there. Like all these things. And it's like, well, how are those, how are those onesies treating you now? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like, it doesn't, it, the, that idea of doulas on registry, it it will trickle down to other services that you Mm -hmm. need as well. Yeah. Also, it's just thinking about how cultures used to operate and like going to have 
very high percentages of people breastfeeding successfully, but also living in communities where you're surrounded by mothers and sisters. And we are in a generation, which I think this is where the breast is best thing came about in the first place, because we our our grandmothers or our mothers. There was a whole generation where the majority of people were formula feeding. Correct. So then that's actually a whole generation that's almost skipped with knowledge of how to fix breastfeeding issues. Right. So we don't naturally have the community around and we're just not as connected anymore yeah. to have people to just help to somebody to say, right. this is what could be going yeah. wrong. And that's where helping. And here's the thing. I see a lot of people because I'm a huge advocate for donor milk. Mm-hmm. Um, is is people being like, I, I do you think it will be weird if I ask my breastfeeding friend to give me milk and I'm like no I bet that person is going to feel so amazing to donate milk I god if I I was able to donate milk to a friend of mine yeah amazing yeah so and I I think that's so special also wet nursing it's not weird I met my breast my my breast friend (laughs) my best friend because I wet nursed her baby at a support group and we known each other 20 minutes that's so cool um and it's not weird like for her I I was like I know you don't know me but I'll feed your baby. Um, and she was like, oh my God, thank God. Because her baby had undiagnosed to- ties. But where I was in, in my journey, I had enough of a milk flow that I didn't even notice the ties. Also oh, for wow. one time, it wouldn't have been a problem. So lean on your support system. Mm. Like if you are having a milk flow issue, maybe your friend can feed your baby for a couple of days while you figure it out. And it's like, oh, I love that. Yeah. Even I, I was at the beach with friends and thankfully it was my like, fellow weird hippie friends so they were she was like eight weeks postpartum and she was playing with her boyfriend in the ocean and her baby was crying and I was like I know that I don't have to ask and I can just feed you know rain in (laughs) and it was just a really sweet moment because I was like could just yeah. step in and just yeah because that's how communities used to work mm-hmm. you didn't pump and you didn't have a thousand ounces in your fridge you left your kid with someone who could feed them right and i will i will say that wet nursing does have in the united states has a horrible Historical history that background. i want to recognize that for um black people it is a it is a very traumatic mm-hmm. um history and i i think that we do need to talk about that it's not something to take lightly right yeah, or gloss right over. right um but it can we we can have that conversation and we can be recognizing you know that story and the importance of of recognizing it. But we can also have ben- mutually beneficial relationships between people we love to yes. help each other. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, agreed. Yeah, that's why you, no one should force you to feed their child no. mm-hmm. instead of feeding yours. <laughs> yes. So, uh, but but wet nursing and and donor milk can be really it can be just as life saving as formula and it can be just as um, mental health saving as supplementing or giving a bottle or things like that. Oh my gosh. When I couldn't, I was literally just talking to Gray about this the other day. Cause when Ruth wouldn't take a bottle for nine months, I was trapped with her. Yeah. For couldn't go anywhere for more than like two hours right. at a time. Right. And it was horrible. And I was like, Oh man, imagine if I had a friend where I could just be like, we're going to go out for a five hour dinner date. I know she's going to be taken care of with someone else's boob Oh my God, it would have been so helpful for me. We were just talking about that the other day. Right. And the thing is, is I think, I, I, I think just talking about the bottle thing, like, you know, I, the big thing too, is like, while there are emotional strifes that you go through as a parent, a lot of times when I unpack solutions with clients, I'm like, from my standpoint as a birth worker, it's not that big of a deal. Meaning like this is solvable. 
Like you can, you can sit down and write your pros and cons and whatever, if you want to have your kid released or, or, you know, your, their ties released or all these other things, give formula, give donor milk, whatever, like anything. Um, and like, it, it's just, it, it's one of those things like you're saying bottle and I'm like, oh, you could have cup fed her or spoon fed her or given her a straw depending on her age. Or did you even know when the right time to introduce a bottle was and why, and that you have to be consistent once you introduce a bottle, because that's the number one reason why babies reject the bottle, because they're like, I did that when I was two weeks old. And now you expect me to do it now at six months. Also, like, fuck this. I don't want to like, chew on this piece of rubber. Right. Right. <laughs> Where's my mom? That was yes, <laughs> yeah. So it's just like all kinds of things where it's like, oh, if you would have known, then then you wouldn't have had nine months where you would have felt trapped, which is like. I don't, I don't want you to feel trapped. I don't want anyone to feel trapped mm-hmm. with their child. Not in that way. Cause I often feel trapped with my child. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to motherhood yes. or parenthood. You feel that way for a very long time. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And there are babies who, who do need uh, donor milk because they are allergic to formula. And so they do need, they do need other supplementation. Well, Lauren, I feel like you have been so, I just found out so many things (laughs) that if I would have known as a pregnant woman, like it would have been so helpful. So thank Mm -hmm. you so much. I'm sure so many of our listeners are just like either going to be like going and telling their friends now they know it or... If they're a mother, like, oh my God, I wish I would have. You're probably also going to get so many DMs. I know. (laughs) I know. I will will say right now, I stopped answering my DMs a really long time ago. They're really insane, but you can book an online consult. And you did say that you're on a sliding scale. and Yeah, for people mm-hmm. in the area, I host a, a fourth trimester group that is low cost. And then I do host with another nonprofit that's free. Um, yeah, yeah. Because, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it just would, I would spend out answering my DMs with questions would take me is a full-time job. Oh, we and know. I just don't have, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you know. Yeah. But yeah. You and, and just for everyone <laughs> listening, you're doing a great job. Everyone's doing a great job. This is hard. There's no, there's no perfect. There's no right you're way. Killing it. You're not killing it. You're, you're <laughs> yeah. killing it. You're not killing your child. You're yeah. doing a good job. Yes. You're an amazing parent. So thank you so much. Thank we'll put you. all the info yes. about yeah. Lauren in our episode. And if you notes. have any other like resources that you think of, we'll add them to the episode yeah. notes too. So definitely anyone who's interested in this info, check out the episode notes and check out Lauren's page. Thank you, Lauren. Thank all right, you. broads. Chat soon. Chat soon. Bye, birthing broads. <laughs> Bye, baby broads. Bye, boo broads. <laughs>